glad you're here. You know, let me just share something that is on my heart, though. You know, we've, we've been growing as a church, and we made the transition to this building, and it's been such a blessing, and we're so thankful to God for what he's done, and we're thankful for your partnership and those that have just been a part of making it possible, and, and even, you know, the new members of the church, and, and, and there's just so many new people. It's like it's hard for us. We started a Saturday night prayer and worship gathering. How many come to that or have been to that a few times? Last night we had an awesome time, and, and you know, um, I, I just want to say this, that I want my heart's desire, maybe, honey, if you could take notes, part of our staff, take notes so we can execute this vision. I really want to do, and, and I've heard other people share something similar to this, I want to do a big feast where we can all just share a meal right here together as church family and get to know one another, um, maybe like a midweek thing or something. Wouldn't that be awesome? Where we could just like really spend quality time at the table, and uh, and and you know I I want to get to know some of you. I want to hear your hearts and dreams and where, your stories and your ministry and and what God has created you for and and all that good stuff. Your testimony, and so I would like to do that real soon. I'd like to be able to have some sort of feast, uh, you know, agape feast. Tony and I were talking about doing something like that in relation to even reaching out to the community. I mean, how awesome would it be to do a big feast of just the fellowshipping with the saints, but then we open and there's room at Papa's table and we open the doors and community can come in and share and be a part of the family and share in the life and the love that we have for one another. That's some powerful evangelism. Now that in itself could describe what evangelism really is. Evangelism isn't just forcing people to pray a prayer. Um, and, I, and I say that on purpose because sometimes our evangelism is like that. You know, it's like some people pray the prayer. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I used to go out on the strip and do, do that all the time. And, and I would go different places on the streets. And, you know, and I remember like, oh, I led 20 people to the Lord today. And I, I honestly, when I look back, maybe half of them just wanted me to get out of their face. And they probably just did what I asked. Repeat after me, like, Lord Jesus. And they're just like, would this dude stop preaching at me? But evangelism is powerful when we can actually come alongside and just love somebody. Like relational evangelism. Get to know someone's heart. Hear their story. Like what if we would, I wonder if we'd evangelize a lot more if we just listened rather than talked. Some, you know, when my wife and I minister to people that are hurting, whether it's a couple or an individual, Sometimes they just need someone to listen to them. And, and they, they need somebody to weep with them. They need somebody to help them and speak into their life. But sometimes, you know, we just like to listen. And we listen and we want to hear their heart and we hear where they're at. And, and so I, I just believe God really wants us to step into that kind of work um, because the harvest is plentiful. And, and I think if we, if we unlearn some of our methods of how we reach people, and we started learning the method of simplicity of just loving people where they're at. You, and you're not, listen, let me just say this. When you accept someone 100%, you're not affirming their sin. There's a huge difference. Like we can love and accept people right where they're at, but it doesn't mean we affirm their entire lifestyle. I mean, God accepts us and doesn't affirm our entire lifestyle. We ain't perfect. I mean, you know, the church is full of idolatry. The church is full of all kinds of sins, but we love pointing out the sins of the world. But realistically, if we just love people right where they're at, they're going to become who they're called to be. And that's one, of our, that's one of our heart cries 
And we've been saying that for years. When my wife and I, we planted the church, we're like, man, we just want to see the real deal. And, and then we started loving people. And then we saw this radical thing take place. Like, and, 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 you know, and Papa, God, kisses our gatherings with his wonderful presence. And, I, and there's nothing up. Mama Bird, it's so good to see you. Oh, man. I love you so much. My wife and I are just, we honor you. This is a, a, a lady in the Lord, a woman of God that um, really was inspirational and instrumental in, in helping us walk out our destiny. She believed in us when no one else did. And, and she launched us into a, a, like a house church. It was a small group and it grew and you really helped us. And it's so good to see you. And would you just move to Las Vegas and just be a part of our family here? Because you are so stinking awesome and full of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit just comes off your life. You are incredible. I love you, honor you in Jesus' name. Wow. Man, you guys are a beautiful people. I just start talking about you. I'm going to get so wrecked. I'll just have to say amen and dismiss church. So I'm going to try not to look at you. There's so much glory on your lovely faces. I don't even remember what I was saying. Jesus is Lord. If we just learn how to come alongside and love people, though, I wonder how many people we reach. Just love them where they're at, and they will become who they're supposed to be. And when you love them where they're at, you're not affirming their lifestyle or their sin or their choices. You know, one of the most powerful moments of ministering, I'll just name a couple. There's a time I started preaching on grace, you know, the grace of God, you know, the immensity of the love of God. God loves everyone. And then we're encountered with someone that we don't love, but God loves them. Like, you know, like we're supposed to love our enemies and we can barely love people that annoy us temporarily. Come on, somebody. Well, we're just called to love our enemies. Well, why don't you just love your spouse? Come on, somebody. Like, let's just start there, you know. And I remember preaching on grace and mercy and God transforms lives. And, and we're praying. Mind you, we're praying for months. Prodigals come home. The drug addicts and the prostitutes and the pimps and the drug dealers, let them come home. And then I get a phone call about somebody within weeks, somebody that lost a loved one because of a, a drug overdose in their 20s. The enemy just took them out. The spirit of pharmacia just took them out. And, and so I think the enemy was a little ticked off at our radical prayers. And so they asked me to do the memorial service. And my mother-in-law was there. And, 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 and I'm, I'm sure you probably helped. And there was, what, 35 gangsters and drug dealers and pimps and prostitutes that committed their hearts to Jesus at the funeral. Come on. And then, and then we're preaching on grace. Like God loves everyone. And then there's a pimp and a prostitute at the altar. I'm like, how do I lead them to the Lord? Is that any different than anyone else? But in, in my paradigm, it was a big deal. And they're crying. But I got to... Re- now listen, it's easy to love someone with all of our ministry cloak on. Like, oh, I'm ministering now. God bless you. I mean, we learn this behavior in church. We learn it in our... In our toxic cultures of Phariseeism, you know, like Sunday morning, ble- how you doing? Blessed and highly favored, praise God. <laughs> it's like the Pharisee smile. You know what I'm talking about. We got all the right answers. We're Jesus juking people, you know, and we're, we always got something to say instead of, or we're always saying something rather than having something to say. There's a difference. 
Sometimes I don't have anything to say, and I just need to stop saying something. And if you talk all the time, no one's going to listen to you because you're always talking. You know, the quiet people are the ones that people really listen to. Because when they speak up, this person never talks. What are they saying right now? You know, I, I just remember this moment, though, where grace became a reality, where I, not just as Pastor Zach leading someone in the sinner's prayer on a Sunday morning, but as another human that loves Jesus had to love someone in their stuff. And we all got stuff. And if we don't think we have stuff, we have more stuff than everyone else that has stuff. Because we're full of stuff. Because we don't, we don't like to, we don't, you know, and Jesus clearly, he made it so clear with the plank and the speck message. I mean, as soon as we're like, oh, there's a sawdust in your eye. Well, you got a plank in your own eye. That's a lot of sawdust. I mean, that's like millions of pieces of sawdust. Really? Think about it. So, like, you know, we're pointing, but we have much more out-of-proportion stuff in our own. So I'm, I'm ministering. I remember this moment. It was such a holy moment of, whoa, the harvest is right here in front of me. Harvest is right here. All we got to, all I have to do, and it's been here the whole time. The harvest is your neighbor. The harvest is all around you. What are we waiting for? Well, we're waiting for a revival. Why don't you just draw a circle around your life and be revival? We're waiting for Jesus to tell us to do. He said, go 2,000 years ago, people. Maybe the harvest is going to come in when we learn to love with the love of God. And I remember this moment in my life, not just my ministry, my life. It was a defining, God shaped my heart. I see differently now. There's another moment where um, we're uh, having church and, and we're actually in the office with Sean Bowles and we're talking to him. He was out, we had him out for a worship conference that, that we um, did. And, and so we're talking and then someone comes and says, hey, there's somebody here that wants prayer. There's a lady here and she wants prayer. So we go out. And I walk up, and it's a lady, but it's not just a lady. And, and this, this person is a transsexual. And, uh, and I'm like, well, how do I pray? I mean, is this a guy or a girl? I didn't even know. And, the, and these are real, I mean, can we just be, have these honest moments of, like, how do you pray? Have you ever prayed for someone, said he, and it wasn't a he, or vice versa? Have you ever done that? It's the worst feeling in the world, guys. You're like, oh, you know. I mean, you, it, it's, it's worse than saying, like, Hello, sir, and it's a lady. I mean, in that kind, but in the moment when you're trying to minister and love on somebody, and this individual was so broken, and and she was, and God loves her so much, man. And she was, she had a lot of plastic surgery, and and uh, and she was, she was very honest about her life, and she said, "I was born a, a male, and I had a full sex change, and and you could tell by her voice, and and uh, and." And she began to open her heart. And this, and this woman, we just said, okay, we're just going to love her. Like, what, what do you do? We're just going to love her. We're going to bless her. And, and I remember this moment. You remember that moment, Rochelle, we're loving her? And we hugged her and we embraced her. And she would come to church and sit on the front row. And she'd just weep. And she'd just cry in the presence of God. I don't think that many people loved her, you know, like she was rejected. And then we found out some stuff that happened when she was very young. The reason why she probably is so confused. But I remember this moment of like, man, the harvest is right in front of us. The harvest is all around us. 
And maybe we don't see it because our hearts are open to it. I'm going to tell you something. There is a, a huge connection between the eyes and the heart. Matter of fact, what you look at or what your eyes are gravitated, gravitated to is probably because your heart is oriented to. You know, in fact, when Jesus is teaching the whole heart concept and your thought life, and he says things like, you know, if you look at a woman with lust in your eye, you're already committing adultery in your heart. We think, well, we're sinning in that moment. Well, probably, but what Jesus is saying is if it's in your heart, uh, that's why your eyes are gravitating to it. Your heart determines the direction of your life. This is why Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. So the orientation of your heart is going to really, you know, uh, that, that's, that's going to determine the direction of your life. And so I, I realized that God started changing my heart in these moments of worship like we're having this morning. In these moments where my, I, I start praying for the laws. Like I used to pray for the harvest. Like there's a problem with the harvest. The only problem is that, that we just need to open our eyes to the harvest. But I couldn't see it because my heart wasn't open to it. Now listen, as, as a church, if there is, let me just give you an example. If there is like uh, prejudice in a church, then, then the church is not going to be full of people um, that, that there's prejudice against. Because when someone's heart is not open to somebody else, you feel it and you know it. Have you ever walked up to someone and you just know their heart is shut off? And maybe there's an offense. And that, those are moments, real moments as Christians that we should be confrontational, not in an aggressive sense, but in a assertive sense of, hey, are we cool, man? Like, is there something I did? And living from the heart, but where there's really harmony, where there's really agreement, um, but, you know, it, it's so powerful to me, the heart connection with the eyes. And I, and I realize that in my Christian walk and in my life, sometimes the Lord, like, arrests my heart. And he says, man, would you just open your eyes because there's a harvest all around you. Uh, now, I've been, I've been in John. We've been reading John 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And we've kind of gone back and forth. And, and, uh, and you know, it, it's, been, it's been fun. But I, I want to just read out of Matthew chapter 9, and I might reference a story in John 4 just a few times, and then I'm going to let you go. But I want to talk to you about the harvest, and I want to talk to you about how the harvest is ripe, um, the harvest is all around us, and the harvest is, is wait, like we want to be the good Samaritan, we want to go out and do, but something has to happen in our hearts. Uh, you know, let me say it this way, you, you can't be the good Samaritan unless you learn to yield to the good shepherd. Like sometimes we're out trying to do all these social things, but God's like, I want to do something way bigger than that. I want to revolutionize the reason we have social issues. I'm glad one of you thought that was a good word. I thought it was good. If I was you, I would have doom, 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 doom. Praise break. Hallelujah. Mm. How many ever go to church like that? How many want to go to a church like that? Come on, somebody. Mm. I know how to wake you guys up. Some of you, I don't know why this, the devil's on this microphone because he don't want me to preach like that, but I can if I want to. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The coffee wasn't strong enough. Jesus will quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. In the doom 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 Where's Laris when I need him? Come on, Laris. Where's my black up? Laris is my son. 
he recently moved out and he lived with us for over six years. One of the most loyal, awesome spiritual sons uh, we could have. And, uh, and he moved out. He's getting married to lovely Hannah Prohaska. Come on, somebody. And they're so blessed. But now, I don't know where he is. Where's Laris right now? I don't know where he is. Is he in the room? He's in the back. Okay, hiding probably. There, I see you, bro. Now, I hugged him today. I'm like, now or yesterday? I'm like, our hugs are more meaningful now because I don't see you all the time. So every time I see him, I'm like, come here, man. Give me a hug. Man, how many love the love of God that just brings people together? Real family, the real deal. It's awesome. But man, there's a connection between the heart and the eyes. And I want to talk about that. Open up to Matthew chapter 9. Let me read you a few verses. I know I'm just kind of rambling a little bit. I hope that's all right. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. This is so powerful. It says here, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Just Would you say good news? Thank you for the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. And it says, and healing every disease and sickness, every disease and sickness, Chris, every disease and sickness. Come on, that's your heart. Every disease, every dis-ease and sickness. I'm not down with the sickness because Jesus wasn't down with the sickness. There's no reason. Now listen, we always pray for the best. We always believe God for the best. But if somebody doesn't get healed, it doesn't mean it was God's will. Everything that happens is not God's will. He is not exhaustively puppeteering everything. He's not exhaustively controlling everything. He's in charge, but he has consented to free will sin. And things happen sometimes just because of choices, natural law, and demonic activity. And Jesus is the healer of sickness and dis-ease. He loves to heal people. He loves to set people free from their infirmities and their sicknesses. And I'm going to just tell you right now, if you're sick in your body, it's not God's will. And I want you to be healed. And Jesus wants you to receive. It's already paid for. It was paid for 2,000 years ago. Come on. He paid the price. He did it. He, he did it all. Every stripe on his back, the, the different categories of sicknesses throughout history and all time were born by every single blow on his back. The scripture says, by his stripes, we were healed. Emotional healing, mental healing, physical healing. I don't care if it's a, a hangnail on your toe or a migraine headache, or cancer, God is the healer, and he loves you. And when we awaken to how much he loves us, and he's not putting sickness on us, God doesn't put, oh, Jesus, Lord, have mercy on horrible theology. Jesus does not put sickness on you to teach you a lesson. What kind of lesson is that? You really want to glorify God when you're sick? Who wants to glorify God when they're sick? Anybody? I don't. I'm like, Jesus, give me some Dayquil and some... Now, I praise God. I haven't been sick in like eight years. I have the flu. And I'm, I'm praying I just stay that way. And I try to take care of myself. But I believe in divine health. I believe... But listen, God wants you whole. 
All right, that, that was just that one portion. We had to, that's the good news of the kingdom, though, that Jesus is concerned with every area of your life. He wants wholeness. Death is not a part of his plan. Sickness is not a part of his plan. It's the result of sin. When sin entered the cosmos, a lot of nasty stuff started happening. It's disease. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a spiritual cancer. And so I pray that you learn of the one that is truly your healer and my healer. Amen? So it says he went about and he healed. He healed every sickness and every disease. Every disease and every, every, every. Can we just say that real quick? Say every. I just feel like I need to camp on this for a minute. Every, every sickness and disease. You know, the lady that we ministered to that was born a man and we're loving on. And, and God, and honestly, it was a challenge for me, guys. Like, I, I mean, I'll just, and I'm, I'm a pretty loving guy. How many think I'm a loving guy? Raise your hand. Don't flatter me. Don't flatter me. How many think I'm a jerk? Raise your hand. Thank you. I love you. Young adults are so honest. Sarah, the Lord just touched your heart in a deep way. And you're going to just raise your hand and call me a jerk. How awesome was that? God touching your heart. What was happening? Was it just powerful? Come here for a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my daughter. Isn't she lovely? She's so beautiful. And she's an anointed worship leader. What was happening in your heart? Like, why were you crying and snotting and stuff? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> totally putting her on the spot right now. You're not red at all, honey. No, you're not. You're really not. What was God doing in your heart, though, really? Like, what, what do you think was happening in that moment? Uh, I was just, like, getting God's heart for, for people. Like, for what people? Were you praying? Were you interceding? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you thinking about, like, exactly? I don't know. Were you praying for a specific... Was it, like, people in other countries? Was it orphans? Yeah. Yeah. Babies or toddlers? Can we just pray right now? Come on. Let's just take a moment. God, give us your heart. God, give us your heart for the broken. God, give us your heart for the hurting, for the lost. Thank you, Papa. Jesus' name, amen. I'm sorry, honey. I brought you up here to just cry in front of everybody. I do it all the time. Get used to it. Come on, are you thankful for my precious daughter? This is a challenging moment for me, guys. I'm loving this person. And I remember my my mother-in-law and I prayed. You remember praying healing over her? She had HIV. And, uh, And we prayed for her, and she's having liver problems. She was going to see the doctor. And she had never been on antivirals at this point, right? So we prayed and we commanded her liver to be whole. We, we commanded that virus from the pit of hell to die in Jesus' name. Die. You know, that's how you need to pray. Don't like, oh, Lord, is it, if it's your will, would you just heal him? No. It already happened. You have it. The life of God in you. When you get God's heart, his life flows through you. It's just like prophecy. When you love someone, it's easy to prophesy. It's so easy to prophesy to someone you love. It's so easy to pray for someone you love. When you capture God's desires, thoughts, emotions, and passion for an individual, it just flows like a river. It just flows like a river. Come on. 
And we started praying. Lori, you remember that? We're praying for her. And what was the testimony? She went, she saw a doctor, the person that we just chose to love. We chose to just love in the midst of all the brokenness and the choices that she made. She came back and said, the doctor told her the HIV is undetectable or almost undetectable almost undetectable in her blood. Come on. Oh, come on. Listen, miracles are, are easy when we get God's heart for broken people. And the harvest is so plentiful. And Jesus, he's going about healing every sickness. Say every, every sickness, every sickness. And it's not just physical And listen, we're not Gnostics. We don't think that God can use doctors. Come on. Are you thankful? I I believe that there are Christian, right now, there are Christian young people that God has spoken to, to to go into the realm of medicine because they are going to discover cures for cancers. And we believe in the miraculous. And we believe in medicine. We believe in taking care of our bodies. Come on, somebody. I take greens every day. Hallelujah. You know, come on. Everyone's like, miracle signs and wonders. Yeah. I take greens. Everyone's like, ugh, health nut. My wife hates it. I make her drink. She's like, ugh, it's so gross. But how many know we're not Gnostics? Like, we don't don't believe the natural realm is evil. We got to take care of ourselves. We got to steward what God's given us. But Jesus is the healer. And it's not just physical, it's emotional healing, it's mental healing. I believe we're about to see one of the biggest healing revivals the church has ever seen. And it's not just going to be a physical, come on, it's going to be emotional. People that have had trauma for decades will come in to a moment of the presence of God, and God will come in and set them free from their burden and that chain will be broken and tormenting spirits will just leave them right there just like that thank you jesus that you're the healer of every disease and sickness let me try to get through these verses and when he saw say when he saw and remember jesus is the the teacher the rabbi it's who we're following guys it's We want to be like him. We're being conformed to the image of the Son by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, proceeding from the Father. Jesus comes, reveals the heart of the Father. The Holy Spirit is is moving us towards this goal of being conformed to the image of the Son, Jesus. We have his nature. We partake of it, his DNA. When you're born again, you have a new nature. The old sin nature died. Come on, somebody. It actually happened 2,000 years ago mystically, but you identify with it. And when you are a Christian, you're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. Amen. And and when you know that, sin is not hard. He struggles. And you know that I have a new nature. God gave me a new nature. So Jesus, it says he saw the crowds. Jesus saw the crowds. And it, it goes on. It says he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Say that with me. The harvest is plentiful. But the labors are few. Now, now that doesn't mean that we're supposed to be busy, busy, working, busy, striving. It means we're supposed to know how to reap the harvest. That comes with strategy. That comes with, like, I'm not a farmer. My grandpa was. Uh, as a matter of fact, the value of wheat has gone down. 
recently. I wonder if that's prophetic for the church. Sometimes we look at the harvest and we don't see much value in it. But it's interesting to me that like I could walk out and be like, all right, I'm going to harvest. I'm going to jump in the combine and try to get me some wheat. I don't know. I have no clue what I'm doing. I have no clue what I'm doing. I used to go to my grandpa's. He had this big warehouse of all this equipment. I don't know what they did. There was all these blades. It was kind of scary, to be honest. But I'm not a farmer. But Jesus says the labors are few. That doesn't mean that we're supposed to labor and toil for the harvest. We've got to work hard. And if we groan and travail and rip our clothes, sackcloth and ashes and repent, then the harvest will come in. No, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is revealing, hear me, his heart to his disciples. He's the rabbi. We're following him. He's revealing his heart so that they can carry it to the harvest. And that is how the harvest not only is seen, but how the harvest is reaped is when we love with his heart. The harvest is plentiful. And when we get his heart, what does that mean? Get the heart of God. That means, that means have his desires, his thoughts, his compassion, Knowing how much he loves people. Now, I'll be honest. I, I don't think we, re- I think sometimes we get a drop of the compassion of Jesus for broken people. And that's when we're snotting on the ground crying, Jesus. Just a drop. Just one drop. Oh, his heart is so full of compassion for the broken. And he's revealing it to his disciples. And he says, but the labors are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then what does he do in verse 1 of chapter 10? He sends out his disciples. He answers his own prayer. Come on. There's a partnering with God. There's, we're co-workers with Christ. And I want to tell you right now, prophetically, uh, I'm not going to read it right now, but in John chapter 4, after Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman, he says, you know, there's a saying that harvest time is in four months. Like, oh, don't worry, the harvest, it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. I'm going to tell you something, it's ready, and it's ripe, and it's all around us. And when we learn to love, the harvest is reaped. Can we have the worship team come right now? When we learn to love, we reap. You know, we can't be the good Samaritan if we don't know the good shepherd. It's not just like social issues and all. It's so much more. This isn't a, just a social gospel. It's a kingdom gospel. It's, it encompasses everything. And Jesus changes lives with his love. And when we get God's heart, we see differently. We see differently. I mean, I'll just tell you, there's so many times that I need my heart awakened or changed or, you know, God... Maybe I've allowed something to come in. I've held on to some bitterness or something like that or or whatever. And it affects my relationship with people. You know, there's times that I'll be in the presence of God and God's touching my heart. He's doing things. I'm receiving his love. And then I open my eyes and I see things differently. Like I... I'll see somebody and be like, wow, they're just awesome, man. They're so, or I'll look at my wife. I'm like, she's so stinking beautiful and anointed and amazing. And I just, I'm so thankful for my wife. You see, when we capture the heart of God, listen, uh, this is powerful. We're receiving his love, right? The revel, the glory of God is a revelation of his love and his goodness. This is why... I, I'm going to throw, throw something at you here. This is why I believe Moses, 
God's like, you can't see my face and live. He said, show me your glory. He's like, no, you couldn't handle it. You know why? The covenant he was in couldn't handle the light of that glory. I don't think it was the glory that would have killed him. It was the people that would have killed him because they wanted a religion that looked like all the other gods. So when you receive the love of God, you're getting a revelation of his love, his glory. Now his glory adds value, the reality that you're valuable, that you're loved. Do you know that when that happens, you can add value to someone else? You can call out gold in somebody else. You see who they really are. You see how valuable they are. Why? Because God does something in your heart. The glory of God. And now we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And through that revelation... Jesus, just like he's sitting here in Matthew chapter 9, revealing his heart to his disciples, says, guys, look at the harvest. You can see it now because I just showed you what it looks like. Compassion, healing the sick, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You're not feeling me this morning. I'm about ready to dismiss you. And if you're loud and you make me feel like I'm preaching good, I'll let you go sooner. You must want to leave. So let's just seal the deal right now. Jesus answers his own prayer. And I want you to get this. The harvest is ripe. John 4, he meets a Samaritan woman. It says he had to go through Samaria. An appointment turns into a divine appointment when we choose to love like God loves. There's divine intersections everywhere at Starbucks, at the store. And listen, you don't have to be like Todd White healing every person that you meet. You might not be there yet. It's okay. Just learn to love people. And the rest will come. And you'll get these detailed words of knowledge like Sean Bowles' addresses and phone numbers. And come on. But just love people where they are. Just love people and you'll see the harvest. But there's intersections everywhere. There's, there is all these divine appointments when we choose to love with God's love. So Jesus meets a Samaritan woman. A lot of racial tension between Samaritans and Jews. Early in his ministry, Jesus is tearing down racial walls. Come on, somebody. Early in its ministry. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love a church that is full of every color and nation and tribe. Come on. Multi-ethnos. That's my heart. That's my heart. The African-American community, the, the Hispanic community. Come on, the Caucasian community. Let them all come, every creed. Asian community, come on, every creed. The Hawa- we need more Hawaiians in this. We need some island Holy Ghost up in here. Come on, somebody. We need to have a holy luau. Glory. Jesus tore those racial walls down. And then the testimony of this encounter, one encounter with God will change your life forever. It says all these Samaritans became believers because what the woman said. And the woman said this. She said, he told me everything I ever did. Notice she didn't say he exposed all of my sin. Because that's how we always read the story because we're probably taught wrongly. It doesn't say she was adulterous. She may have just been rejected by men over and over and over and over in her life. How do we see the Samaritan women? It depends on the orientation of our hearts. Is she just another uh, prostitute? Same thing with, you know, Mary. Oh, she was a prostitute. It doesn't even say that. It said she had seven demons. Hello? 
Why are we always labeling people prostitutes and this and that? And we're putting, we're just stamping them with sin and we're stamping their, the identity of who they're not. So Jesus, in this encounter, it says all these Samaritans got saved. Come on. Then they met Jesus. They said, now it's not just because you're testimony, but we know he's the savior of the world. The word world is cosmos, every human being. Oh, that, I mean, that is prophetic. The Samaritans, there's racial tension. Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. The disciples were like, why are you talking to this girl? You're a rabbi. What are you doing? And, and, and then Jesus says, I have food that you do not know. And here's what he said. He said, you heard it said, well, the harvest is, it's not ready yet. He said, no, the harvest is now. Read it in John chapter four later. I'm not going to go there. Say that with me. Say the harvest is now. I need to wrap this up. Would you stand up with me? We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for letting me preach. Thank you for letting me share my heart. Can we as a people just together, just say, God, we want your heart for people. And, and we might not know what it looks like to reach the harvest, but we know that the, the, big, the best strategy or method we could have is loving people. Just really loving them. Really what love really looks like. Sometimes that's a whole other journey. What does love look like? I think we're all still learning. But let's just say this right now. Say, God, would you change my heart so that I could see differently? And I wouldn't just push off and say, well, the harvest is sometime in the future. No, the harvest is now. Let's go get it. Let's, come on. Let's, it's, there's divine appointments all around. There's divine intersections all around. We cross them all the time. So Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. I want to ask my wife, honey, I want you to come. And I want you to dismiss. And then anyone that needs prayer wants to just soak in this. And you want to say yes to this. And yes to God. The worship team's going to lead us in another song. You can be dismissed if you want. But if you want to come to the front... And just have a little afterglow time. We want to make that available to you. Honey, would you come? Amen. Amen.